Amen. Isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. On a Wednesday night, praise God, we know that that our our weeks kind of move quickly, don't they? Especially the, the older we get, the faster they move. And so, you know, we understand that, that as time moves quickly uh, through our weeks, and, and weeks just move quickly through our months, but uh, we understand that, that you know, the, the struggles that we, we lay before the Lord on Sunday, the issues and challenges that we're facing that we bring to the Lord and cast at His feet on Sunday, that, that the, the enemy is just waiting right back out into our world on Monday. Uh, and so we, we understand the importance, the need for being in the house of the Lord together. Uh, and Wednesday night accomplishes uh, that to a degree. You know, we understand what the, what the scripture tells us uh, in the book of Hebrews is, you know, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but so much the more as you see the day approaching. And the day is approaching. The Lord is coming back soon. Uh, and so we not only need to be ready, but we need to be doing His work. Praise God, being together as the body of Christ. Praise God. Amen. Uh, Sister Hannah has something for us tonight. blessed man. We're going to pick up our, our lesson from last week. We started a new series. We've been talking, uh, we started talking last week about the blessed man. Uh, and so uh, if you want to turn in your Bibles with me, uh, we're going to go to the book of the Psalms. And we are going to go to the first Psalm. The first Psalm. So Psalm number one. Remember Psalms is not chapters like the other books in the, in the scripture, uh, but the book of the Psalms are, is a collection of individual Psalms. Psalms are like songs or poetry, uh, and so uh, each quote-unquote chapter is its own individual poem or song or psalm. So Psalm number one, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but they are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Amen. So we are talking about the blessed man. Uh, we have... Uh, we started talking last week about the, the contrast that the writer is showing, the contrast of the rewards of right living and service to God contrasted with the judgment and the rejection of God by those who do so. So we are talking about this blessed man as, as the writer of this first psalm declares. The blessed man uh, first is without the influence of the ungodly without the influence of the ungodly does not walk in the path of the sinners nor is comfort comfortable in the seat or the place of the scornful he is without those things it's okay to be without some things amen and so we we oft times to try to fit in to our environment we 
we bring things unto ourselves or allow things in our presence that, that are ungodly. And, and so this blessed man is blessed without those things. We ought to be careful not to let the enemy trick us into thinking that we can have uh, the things of the world or be exposed to the things of the world and still be happy and, and even still be without influence. Uh, that we are uh, not influenced by those things. That's, that's a trick of the enemy. So when we look at the blessed man, he starts off right away. And so we're going to uh, just try to give you a quick uh, uh, review of last week without giving you the lesson. We'll give you a quick review, and then that'll give, give us our, our springboard into our lesson tonight. Uh, so this blessed man, right away, the psalmist tells us, the blessed man, he does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. So that's the first thing that he refuses in his life. And I say I, I'm using the, the term he and his and the, the word man. I hope everybody understands that it's, it's referring to humanity. Uh, so it's, it applies to all of us. So the blessed man, it walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. It's the idea of walking with someone. There's a closeness. There's a relationship. Okay? So, so to walk in the counsel of the ungodly, you are uh, uh, having a closeness, a relationship, cl close enough that you are able to hear and listen and heed the counsel of those who are not living godly lives. Now, if you're trying to live godly, it is not a wise thing to heed God ungodly counsel. Are with me? Okay. So to walk in their counsel means to walk along uh, at their pace, to walk in their direction, uh, to allow them to influence your life uh, and your direction. And the ungodly, very simply, we can, we can boil down to uh, the, the, forgive me the, for saying it this way, but the lowest common denominator is they are sinners. Now, thank the Lord that we are all sinners, but we are saved by grace. Praise God. But, but the, the ungodly continue in their sin. Okay? They continue in the philosophies, the ways of the world. So the blessed man does not walk in their counsel or they're under their influence okay it's a matter of who you will give heed to who you will lend an ear to so from there the blessed man uh, he not only does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly but he does not stand in the way of sinners okay you notice the degradation at one point the the, the person who is uh, not the blessed man, so I have to make sure I watch my wording here uh, because the blessed man refuses these things, refuses to walk in the counsel of the ungodly, refuses the way of the sinner. Uh, so so the, the person who is not blessed, uh, had, there's a degradation of their motion. They were walking, now we find them standing. Standing instead of walking. So now there's not even the motion there's a transition from walking to standing. The motion has ceased, progression has been halted, and the degradation has begun to happen. So they're standing, they cease, they, they are remaining now in the place of sin. Okay? So you see the, the degradation from the influence that comes into a person's life to now... That progression that they were, they, that they did have, but under the influence of the ungodly, now they are standing in the way of the sinner. Okay? They've stopped. They, no, no progress is being made. When progress is being made, there's hope of change of direction. Right? That they can begin to change the, the, the influence that they're listening to. Okay, uh, and so so standing means that you're 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 grounded. Okay, we don't want to be grounded in the ways of sin. Somebody say amen to that. All right, so so from there, 
we, we understand that God has called us to walk in His way. To walk in His way, not in the way of sin. So from there, we, we see the next transition. Uh, we see the transition from uh, the walking in the counsel of the ungodly, now standing in the way of sinners, but then uh, the, the unblessed man, <laughs> he is now sitting in the seat of the scornful. And this is where we pick up from our lesson from last week. So we see the transition from walking to standing to now sitting. Moving, but with the wrong company. Direction being altered by the voices of the ungodly. And then the degradation to standing, saying, or standing or staying or remaining, continuing in the road or the path of sinners. But now we see the further degradation to sitting, finding a seat among the scorners. The Hebrew word for scorner is the word lutz. It means to make mouths at. Make mouths at. Uh, so, uh, or other words, to mock or to scorn uh, or to scoff. Okay? Uh, so when we talk about the scornful, the mockers, the scornful, uh, are scornful of judgment or rebuke. Okay? We have scripture that, that tells us, uh, let's go ahead and go there, uh, Sister uh, Lisa going to keep up with me tonight. We've got lots of scripture to go through. She gave me the thumbs up, so we're going to be good. If you want to test yourself with your, your sword, get your sword out and do a sword drill with me. Proverbs 13, 1, uh, Solomon writes and says, A wise son hears his father's instruction, but a scorner hears not rebuke. Folks, if you want to get better, if you want to walk in the right paths, in the right ways, if you want to learn, if you want to grow, you've got to be willing to hear correction, instruction, even sometimes rebuke. Proverbs 19, 28. An ungodly witness, what does he do? Scorns judgment scoffs at judgment, mocks judgment. Okay? So we see that the mockers, the scorners, they, they, they mock or scorn rebuke. They mock or scorn judgment. Okay? They also will mock or scorn the work, the work of God. Okay? Nehemiah chapter number 2, verse 17 then said I unto them, You see the distress that we are in, how Jerusalem is lying in waste, and the gates thereof are burned with fire. Come, let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we, would, that we be no more a reproach. That's a good task to take on. Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, also of the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. But, notice, when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant the Ammonite and Geshem the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this that you do? Will you rebel against the king? Then answered I them and said unto them, The king of heaven, he will prosper us Therefore we his servants will rise and build, but you have no portion nor right nor memorial in Jerusalem. So when they came back from captivity, from Babylon, Nehemiah had the task, that was the purpose that the king allowed him to come back, was to build the walls of Jerusalem. And when he told the people about it, they were excited, they wanted to rise up and build, but there was opposition and what, what did the opposition start with? Scorning. Mocking. And what, what is the intent of that? It, it is designed, intended to bring discouragement. To cause you to want to give up. 
So when God's called you to a work, when He's called you to His work to serve Him, there will be scorners in your life and you have to not pay heed to them because their intent is to discourage you and stop the work that not only God is doing in your life, but that God is doing through your life. Job 16, verse 20. He said, my friends scorn me. Job's just trying to, he's just trying to get through the struggle. But now he says, my friends are scorning me. They're mocking me. Think about that man as he's scraping boils from his body. As he's sitting in piles of ash. His friends are mocking him. And he's just trying to find out what in the world is going on. David, in his discouragement, he shows what the scorners want to attack. Psalm 22, verse 7. He says, All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip, they shake the head, saying, He trusted on the Lord that he would deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. They're mocking him. You trusted in God, what's God doing for you? just like they did with Jesus when he was on the cross. He saved others, but himself he can't save. And all it's designed to do is bring discouragement in, the, in what God wants to do, in what God, uh, what his word declares for your life. He's, God's not a genie in a bottle that he's always just going to act whenever we tell him to act. He's not going to dance when we say dance. If we truly trust in God like David was, then God will answer and act or do according to God's perfect will and we trust Him to do that. And His perfect will may not be what we want. Can we trust God with that? And we've got to be extremely careful because if we don't, if we treat God as the genie in the bottle, and when things don't happen how we think they should happen, then we're going to find ourselves sitting in the seat of the scornful. Amen. The scornful, they... Uh, uh, they bring calamity and judgment. Solomon declared that the scorner, Proverbs 19, verse 29, he says, judgments are prepared for scorners. You don't want to be a scorner. And stripes for the back of fools. Proverbs 22, 10. He tells us, cast out the scorner and contention shall go out. Strife and reproach shall cease. Folks, there's wisdom there. There's wisdom there. If someone's mocking your beliefs, you don't need to keep bringing them into your life. I know we, we, we value relationships, but if they're mocking who you are and what you believe and how you want to live, according to the scripture and the word of the Lord, if they're mocking you, what value is there? It, it is hard. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. And, and so that's a, a great example. So what if it's your own family? The, the challenge is, is to, to limit the effect, the, the opportunity for them to do that to you, to, to distract and discourage you. You may not be able to cut off the relationship,
but if you begin to see that it's wearing on you, you've got to find that place of separation. And the same goes with every other relationship. We've got friends that we want in our lives. We've got to find a place that we, we are, if, they, if that's how they want to treat us, we understand that that's just going to be part of being a Christian because they did it to Jesus. And he said, if they did it to me, they're going to do it to you. So, we, so we, it's not that we're, we're trying to uh, avoid all of the scorning because it's going to happen. But we need to try to limit it so that, that we don't succumb to it. Because it is discouraging. It does become weights to us as we walk if we're just being truthful and honest with ourselves. Am I right? So that's where we have to limit that, 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 that door that is open. We have to, to try to minimize that as much as we can. And in, in response, we act godly. Let me just give you, give you an example. I've got one young lady uh, who is really struggling right now because uh, I work in a contact center for my daily job. And uh, in case you are unaware, when people call contact centers, they're not usually in the best of moods, especially if they've, if they've had to wait 30 to 40 minutes. <laughs> immediately everybody else changed <laughs> you feel their pain you want to be angry with them and so people come on and, and so we've got one young lady right now who is struggling uh, in her responses she's, she's struggling to not react according to how some people are talking to her and obviously everybody can handle more, more or less of that but she's really struggling with it and, and I have to encourage her, you know, don't, don't let how they're treating you change the way you respond and how you serve them. As difficult as it may be, as challenging as it may be, because you don't deserve the way they're talking to you. Right? But all you can do is... is Respond to them with, with kindness. I'm trying to help you and take care of their need. You control you. And what do we do as Christians in, in, in controlling who we are and our responses? If we don't have the strength or the power in ourselves, praise God, we've got a place to go. You know what my representatives are allowed to do? Now, in every other instance, if they've got, if they've got an issue that they need help with, uh, that they need to, to get a supervisor involved, they have to uh, let us know what the issue is, and they, they do what's called a warm transfer. Okay? A warm transfer means, uh, uh, Mrs. Laura, I'm going to uh, connect to my supervisor, and, and you know, he's going to be able to help you out. Okay, supervisor talks to talks to the the representative. I've got Miss Laura on the line. She needs to talk to you about this, Mr. Supervisor, and here she is. That's a warm transfer. But when somebody's talking to them and, and just berating the representatives, just going down the line on them, swearing at them, they are allowed to simply just transfer the call to me as a supervisor. Okay. So what does that mean? For us as Christians, we have a place to go. We have someone to call on. We have, we have someone that we can reach out to. I don't have the power to handle this. I can't get through this on my own. And you find that place as quickly as you possibly can to pray. And even if that person is, is hollering at you or doing whatever or scorning you in that moment, you can pray for them right there. You want to shut the devil up? Pray for them. Proverbs 29, verse 8. Listen to what he says. 
scornful men bring city bring a city into a snare. Scornful men bring a city into a snare. They can trap an entire population. That's why we need to have someone to go to. That's why we need to minimize the exposure to the scornful as much as possible. Because scornful men can trap or snare a city. The wise men turn away wrath. Wise men turn away wrath. Jesus, when he, uh, in Luke chapter 8, verse 54, uh, when he was called to the house of Jairus, do you remember what, what happened that, that uh, Jairus asked Jesus to come to his house and, and Jesus got stopped on the way by the woman with the issue of blood? And then when he was done uh, dealing with the woman with the issue of blood, one of Jairus' servants said, don't, you don't need to bother the master anymore. Your daughter's dead. And Jesus said, that's okay. I'm going to your house. And when he went into the house, he told them, she's not dead. She's only asleep. And notice what, what happened. Because they all began to mock him. These mourners changed from their mourning to laughing and not in a good way. And so what did Jesus do? He put them all out, took her by the hand and called saying, Maid, arise. And her spirit came again. She rose straightway and he commanded to give her meat. What was Jesus' response? He put them out. It's not always easy situations may be challenging but we have to be extremely careful to allow the scornful a place in our lives because of the influence that it can bring we find ways in the spirit to battle to, to fight through prayer quoting the scripture amen All right, so that's the, that's the scornful. So what does it mean to sit in the seat of the scornful? To sit in the Hebrew is yoshab. It means to dwell, inhabit, or abide. So sitting, it, it's a choice. It's a choice. Just like we, we talked about last week, it's a choice to continue as we stated last week. But this takes uh, increase. Ah, that was, how do I say that word? Incredulity. There we go. It takes incredulity to the next level. Okay? To sit is to choose your habitation. It's to choose your habitation where you are going to abide. Okay? It is to dwell in a place that God has not intended for you dwell in a place that God has not intended for you. In its essence, it simply means that you are now comfortable. You're at ease in the seat of the scornful. Look at the disciples. There were those that would choose, they would desire to sit with the Lord. We give James and John a hard time because they wanted to be seated on the Lord's right hand and on his left. But it wasn't just about power or authority or position. Part of it had to simply be that they wanted to be close to Jesus. Close to Him. John was so close, as recorded in one point in Scripture, that he even relaxed leaning against Jesus. Should that not be our desire? Our desire should be to sit to dwell, to abide in the house of the Lord. You see, the blessed man chooses not to walk in the counsel of the ungodly. The blessed man chooses not to stand in the way of the sinners. And the blessed man chooses not to sit in the seat of the scornful. He's not going to, 
get himself comfortable in a place of mocking the things of God. To sit in the seat of the scornful, the word seat uh, is, is a slight variation on the word. Uh, it, it is in the Hebrew moshab. It means an abode or habitation or dwelling or an assembly. An assembly. You see, when you get comfortable with sin, you find yourself in the places associated with sin and at ease in the assemblies of the sinners. Jeremiah 15, verse 17. He says, I sat not in the assembly of the mockers, nor rejoiced. I sat alone because of your hand, for you you have filled me with indignation. He chose to not sit in the place, the assembly of the mockers. If anybody knows what that's about, Jeremiah does. He was thrown into a cistern. He was... He was beaten. He was mocked because he was delivering the word of the Lord and they didn't want to listen. So they mocked the man of God. They mocked the word of God and chose not to hear what God was saying to them and they suffered for it. But Jeremiah made the decision. doesn't matter what anybody else is doing. I choose not to sit in the assembly of the mockers. We can't get comfortable with sin. We can't be at ease in the assemblies of the sinners. Why don't we go to bars? Why don't we go to clubs or dances? Why are there certain things that we don't participate in? Because those are the assemblies of the sinners. Now, I'm not going to tell you every place that you can and can't go. But I admonish you, please, think about the atmosphere and the environment that you're going to. Was it just uh, a couple weeks ago? I I forget. uh, I I didn't even know what was happening. Apparently the fair was in town. Uh, Somebody got taken. From what I understand, that's, that's what I heard on, we heard on the way home. Uh, somebody, somebody, a young girl was taken. I think I, where I, where I saw that or heard that, but, but that's, that's what I heard that night. Um, what's that? The year before somebody, there was a shooting? And, and, and there are parts of that that I'm sure are, are fine. You go in and you, 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 got, you got the food carts. You've got the, the animals, you know, the, the four, is it 4F or 4H? 4H. 4F. 4F's a wartime thing, right? Uh, but 4, 4H club and, and all those things. Those things are, are, are no doubt good. But, but when you step into the other areas, you know as well as I do that, that the atmosphere... Is, a, is, is not a godly atmosphere. Am I going to tell you that you can't go to the, to the fair? I just encourage you to think about the atmosphere. And that really goes for anything that we do, anywhere we go. Amen. We can't be at ease with the, the, the ungodly things of this world. This world is not my home. I'm not dwelling or abiding here. And so I must be careful, you must be careful not to assemble ourselves with the mockers, the scorners of this world. Folks, this is why the church is so vitally important. If we understand that that there's the seat of the scornful, that the blessed man doesn't sit there, he doesn't make his abide among or abode among the assemblies of the sinners, then what should that tell us about the blessed man? That the blessed man wants to sit or be among the assemblies of the godly. 
Why is church so important? This is just one of those reasons. It's the assembly of the people of God. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. The blessed man is rejecting the ways, the things of the world of sin, not choosing to be comfortable among the ungodly and the mockers and the scorners of the things of God, but chooses to abide or dwell among the people of God. It's important that you're in church. It's important that you get together for Bible studies and get with the people of God. Does that mean we exclude the world and, 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 and bringing you know, family or friends uh, and, and having, having a good time with them? No. But be the influence. Be the influence. If you're not the influence, you are being influenced. So be the influence. Amen. And, and as much as you can, have those Bible studies. Have godly conversation. Even if you don't open the Scripture, talk about the things of God. And live out the ways of God. Amen. So let's talk about the difference maker. So what makes the difference for the godly man, for the, the blessed man? So we read in verse number one, blessed is the man that walks not, so he's rejecting, walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, or stands in the way of the sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. And we see a change in verse number two. But his delight, where the blessed man delights, is in the law of the Lord. To delight means to take pleasure in or to desire. It solidifies value. It solidifies value. The root word uh, in the, the Hebrew means to incline to or to bend, as though you are bending to listen or to lean in to pay attention. Okay, you understand that? To delight. We should be a people who find value in the Word of God. We need to find ourselves delighting in, make, finding pleasure in the Word of the Lord. So much so that when the Word goes forth, we should lean in to listen. The Global Listening Center. I don't know who they are but the name sounds good. The Global Listening Center, they, they gave a synopsis of one of their studies about uh, posture during uh, active listening. So active listening is that you're engaged in as you listen to somebody uh, talk. And so uh, in their study, they gave a synopsis uh, or a summary of, of their findings and among the, the entirety of the, the synopsis, so, so I just pulled a piece out of it, uh, there's a portion that deals with leaning in. Leaning in. Leaning, they say, is another way that your body indicates your emotions. Leaning backwards usually signals feelings of dislike or negativity. It's a hardwired response from the limbic brain, I didn't know we had a limbic brain, uh, we subconsciously try to distance ourselves from anything unpleasant or dangerous. In a seated conversation, leaning backward can also communicate dominance or disinterest. Positive attitudes toward others tend to be accompanied by leaning forward, especially when sitting down. When two people like each other, you'll see them both lean in. 
Research also shows that individuals who lean forward tend to increase verbal output of the person that they're speaking with. Other aspects of body language for the active listener are nodding, eye contact, and the slight tilt of the head, indicating that you're giving ear to what is being said. If I started to whisper, how, how would you try to hear what I'm saying? I already see some of you doing it. You kind of leaned in just a little. Suckers. Gotcha. Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1. Solomon put it this way. He said, My son, if you will receive my words and hide my commandments with you, so that thou incline thy ear unto wisdom and apply your heart to understanding. I want to hear what you're saying. I want to receive what is being spoken. And your body posture can affect that. It can also communicate that. Folks, I don't need, as a teacher and a preacher, I don't need your response. It sure let, it feels good to let me know that you're with me, that I'm not, a, not all by myself, but, but I don't need it. You need it. You need the response because it keeps you engaged. It allows you to receive what you're hearing and it reveals your intentions. Is Pastor Boring? You just sit back. <laughs> but when you're really interested you kind of you, you do you tend to kind of start leaning forward a little bit I don't need your response you need your response the people around you need your response if something good or right is being said it's okay to acknowledge that with an amen, or a that's right, or a hallelujah, or preach it, or whatever, as long as it's good. It's for you and for those around you that helps the engagement and helps the reception of what is being said. The blessed man delights in the law of the Lord, takes pleasure in when the word is being preached, when the word is being taught, when conversation is happening, some of, my, some of the best times related to the word of God are when we're sitting around our dining room table having Bible study. She gets it. You should, I, I see it all the time. I, I, you know, when having Bible study with Sister Laura, she's like, wow, that's cool. I'd never do that. That's awesome. That's what it's about, is the blessed man delights in the law of the Lord. If we cannot please God without faith, then we must seek to build our faith so that we do please God. And if faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of the Lord, then it just stands to reason that we should learn to take pleasure in the word, to delight in the word, the law of God. Scripture is indeed a delight. David wrote of the books that were written about him, Psalm 40, verse number 6. He said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. My ears have you opened. Burnt offering and sin offering have you required. Then said I, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me, Verse number 8, I delight to do thy will, O my God, yea, thy law is within my heart. Amen. Did you know that, that for the kings, that they were supposed to get their own copy of the law of God? Now, for us, that's not a big deal. We all have 
Bibles. We've got multiple, multiple versions of it. We've got probably two or three at home. You know, God help us that we have so much of the Word that we don't have the Word. <laughs> Amen. But every king was supposed to get a copy of the law of the Lord. And yet we see so many of the kings not living according to the law of the Lord. The blessed man delights in the law of the Lord. Psalm 112, verse number 1. Praise you the Lord. Blessed is the man that fears the Lord that does what? Let's try that again. Psalm 112, verse number 1. Praise you the Lord. Blessed is the man that fears the Lord that does what? Delighteth greatly in his commandments. Amen. Psalm 119 has within, it's the longest, uh, for, forgive me for saying it like this, it's the longest chapter in the Bible. I know it's an individual psalm. I just gave you a big speech about it. But it's the longest chapter in the scripture. Okay? And in that chapter, in that psalm, uh, there are different stanzas like, like there are of songs, okay? You know, the songs that we sing, they have first verse and then a, a pre-chorus and then a chorus and then the second verse and the pre-chorus and the chorus and then a bridge. Those would be like stanzas, okay? So in Psalm 119, there are many stanzas within that and each stanza, each portion of that psalm you are going to hear the psalmist speak of the word of the Lord in one form or another. Let's look very quickly at the second stanza of Psalm 119. It begins in verse number 9. So this is just one of those stanzas. And in this stanza, each verse in one form or another talks about the word of the Lord. So 119, verse number 9. Wherewith shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? With my whole heart have I sought thee. O let me not wander from thy commandments. With my whole heart have I... Uh, verse 11. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Blessed art thou, O Lord. Teach me thy statutes. With my lips have I declared the judgments of thy mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of thy testimonies as much as in all riches. I will meditate in thy precepts. I have respect unto thy ways. Verse number 16, I will delight myself in thy statutes. I will not forget thy word. The psalmist understands that the blessed man finds delight in the law of the Lord. We see him speak of the word of the Lord as, as the word or as the commandments, as the statutes, as the testimonies, as the judgments. Each of those declaring the importance of the word of God in his life. All right, I've got too far to go to try to get to where I wanted to be in a reasonable time. Amen. Let's stand together tonight. My question for you right now is how much do you delight in the law of the Lord? How much do you delight in the Word of God? If I had had time and, and I, I was going to get there tonight, that, that the word uh, as is written in Scripture is, is more important. It's, it's better than my daily food. In case you haven't noticed, I like to eat. It's better than my daily food. The Bolden's with me. Praise God. 
<laughs> How important is the word of the Lord in your life? It's not just a matter of, of quoting the scripture. It's a matter of applying the scripture. It's a matter of, of letting the word accomplish its work and purpose in you. Of allowing it to direct your steps. Because if the word of God is directing your steps and you delight in the law of the Lord, then you're not going to be sidetracked by the ungodly counsel. You're not going to be sidetracked by standing in the way of sinners or sitting in the seat of the scornful you're going to find yourself going back. What does the Word of the Lord say? How is the Word of God directing my life? What does God want from me? What does God want for my relationships? What does God want as I walk in this world and struggling to not be a part of this world? So how much do you delight in the Word of the Lord? Amen. God, I pray, help us tonight. I pray, God, that for each of us, that we would not be content, Lord, with the, the, the bit of knowledge that we have of your scripture. Lord, that we would not be satisfied with the bit of understanding that we have of your word. But God, I pray, draw us ever closer and deeper, further into your word. Oh, God, I pray, let that word become part of of who we are, Lord, as, as uh, David said, I've uh, hid your word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. But God, I pray, Lord, that even more than that, that it would become as the marrow to our bones. God, that it would get down into the deepest part of who we are, that it affects the way we walk, the way we live, the way we talk. God, that it affects the way we think, Lord, the actions that we do. God, it affects our relationships. I pray, Lord, let your word God, let it be that, that, that guide, Lord, that you have intended it to be. I pray, Lord, tonight, Lord, let it, let it become a delight. Let it become what we take joy in. God, let it become the thing that we look forward to. God, I pray tonight. Change our thinking. Change our mindsets. Change our hearts. God, that we would put such importance, such uh, 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 joy into the word of the Lord that when we wake up, that it's the first thing we want to do. That God, when we go through our day, it's the first thing that we want to consult. That God, when we go to bed at night, that we want to remind ourselves, Lord, of what you have to say in our lives. God, I pray, lead us tonight. God, let there be a hunger and a thirst, Lord, for a closer, deeper relationship with you. Speak to us daily through your word, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless.